This week on the Podland Trailcasters. How's life on the other side of the world, JP? Um, yeah, look, uh, winter here, and uh, we've just been blessed with uh, a clear sky day. So it's about 11 degrees, or actually you guys have Fahrenheit, so let me just look and see what that is. Uh, 51. Uh, if, if you're going to be mentioned in the pod, just hearing KJ was right with no context is probably a good way to go. So, Abby just found uh, some bike pumps we've been looking for for a while. Were those in the office? In the filing cabinet in the office. That makes sense. Oh, Chris turned the camera on. Oh, boy. Okay. We're setting the standard here now. No, I was trying I, to talk. I forgot I was muted. <laughs> I, mu- I, mu- I muted myself to do a mic check. And- who is the most loved Australian basketball player in Australia? Loved is an interesting word, you know, because uh, we've got some uh, characters. <laughs> One thing about Australians, we don't we don't like uh, mavericks. You know, we like team players. You know, we like people who who play for the team and play. We don't like individuals. So Ben Simmons, a bit of a love hate. We love Paddy Mills. We love Paddy Mills. Paddy Mills is like a god here. <laughs> I just, I just use my Polynesian blood to lay claim to Stephen Adams. Aotearoa yeah. counts as, 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 as Hawaii to me. It's all part of the Polynesian chain. So Everything's an island, right? We're all in this together. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Two of my favorite Twitch streamers are both uh, based in Australia. Oh, who are they? Uh, Pestily and Toast Rack TV. Uh-huh. Nah, don't know them. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Hello, Rip City. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? To all of you in town and out of town and in this country and across the world and in every corner of the interwebs, all hail the interwebs, as our guy JP says from the land of Oz. Here with you from Hood River, my name is Keith Feltner-Smith, and the on-time Hawaiian and master of segues, Christopher Joseph Burkhart will be joining us in just a little bit because once again we're doing a special intro because once again we've got another group chat for you this week. We've got KJ coming back with us, Dimat on Twitter after we dropped his audio last week from technical issues. The technical issues are not gone, but we're doing a lot better with them this time around. We are also joined by Fawad to complete our set of the Unbiased Blazers podcast host as well as JP Mack from down in Australia. Now, what do all three of these listeners have in common, you may ask? They are all on our Discord. So, listeners, if you yourself are not yet on our Discord, I don't know what you're waiting for. We have lots of fun on there, lots of conversations, basketball, movies, video games, lots of other things. We keep it friendly. We keep it troll-free. Mostly troll-free. Shout out to BMAC. But we have a really good time overall. So, please, come and join us. Come and get involved in these group chats. Come and get involved in some exchanges of swags and tickets as the season gets going on. And, you know, we've got a whole little alliance of pods that are really sharing the support and the love on here. So, if you're not on Discord yet, the link is in the episode description. What are you waiting for? Last thing I want to mention before we get to today's episode is we're going to take a short one-week break after this. There's been a lot going on this summer in in personal life as well as trying to get the podcast growth organized for the next season. So just taking a quick recess for some R&R and we'll be back with you guys in about two weeks. Really though, that just gives you that much more time to listen to this awesome gem that we're about to get into right now. So no more delays. Let's get straight to it. Here is group chat round two. 
They, they tried to silence me, but they couldn't. Uh, I, I made it back. I made it back. Kiki Montreal's a sexy son of a bitch. It's like the opposite of The Bachelor. Uh, instead of uh, giving them a rose, you just, like, throw soup. You're so mad with this one tree, like, trade that you can't see the forest for the trees, my guy. Like, that dude, you could you slice that dude's arm, and it's not blood. Basketballs pour out of that guy's arm. Are you are you saying that he's Kevin Kevin Durant's Yoko Ono? Is that what you're saying? Yes! Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to argue with Chris about Joe Cronin some more, but my AC's been off for a couple of hours now, and I'm melting, so... Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get you on for a third round. Hey, you, ain't, you, ain't, the you ain't melting because you your AC's off, son. You're melting because I got I got the flames. Uh, Be sure to follow Fawad and his multiple burner accounts on social media. <laughs> All right, and so last check before we get rolling, everyone is recording their audio, correct? Everyone's got their audacity running the rest. Okay, cool. All right, here we go. All right. Once again, we've got four of our five-man lineup, but the fifth is on the way. We're, we're, we're not signed up for the injury report yet. With us right now, we have returning tonight for round two, KJ, also known as Diamond on Twitter. What's up, buddy? They, they tried to silence me, but they couldn't. Uh, I, I made it back. <laughs> I made it back. I tried to cut you out, and you're, you're, you're a persistent one. Welcome back, KJ. Also joining us tonight, we have from the other side of the world. We, Chris, you and I have talked about the international presence of Trailcasters. We have the actual representation here with us today. JP Mac on Discord. What's up, sir? How you doing? Uh, all hail the interweb. Which, all hail uh, the makes interweb, the, indeed. Every which makes the these things possible. So, uh, yeah, the Blazers are a big, big, big brand, and... Uh, yeah, fans everywhere. So here we are, Melbourne, Australia. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate you coming on. It, it really is an honor. It's wonderful. Uh, Chris and I have talked before, if I can just dive into this for a second. It's a cool feeling to do this from home. We do this just be, because we're fans. We're Right now, currently, we are, we're ad-free. We're sponsor-free. We do this for fun. And to have contact on the other side of the globe is just a really cool feeling it's fun to be able to kind of uh just just know where this is getting to knowing that it's uh it you know we're gonna have to at one point do a live episode over from melbourne uh we're gonna come over <laughs> there we're gonna invade love the whole to place have you guys and, and <laughs> see how many blazer fans we have uh, uh represented over on the other side of the world <laughs> you you say that now you you say that until we yeah. on your couch once Shaden makes the Olympic team, th then we can all go over together. There you go. There we go. There we go. You see, that's a goal. That could happen. Uh, how many years off, Chris? Till what? Five? Till Shaden makes the Olympic an Olympic team? team? Yeah, yeah, cool. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, KJ, we're starting back with you from last time. You, you kind of have seniority, essentially, here on the group chats. Uh, tell us where your fandom comes from, sir. Why, why are you a Blazers fan? And so I am a third-generation Blazers fan. Uh, it runs in my family. Uh, but I would say that I really started following the team and the league closely about 10 years ago. Uh, when my grandmother passed away, Rip Granny, uh, I moved in with my grandfather, uh, and he uh, would watch every game. Uh, and so I started following the Blazers. I started following the league. It was something that we could bond over, and I've I since become an addict. That adds up grandmas and how they lead to fandom man so my grandma slight flex here 
my grandma it was one of the the grandmas who had like a hundred jobs like she did everything under the sun and was good at it one of her jobs though she was a bartender in downtown portland for a, for a short time and would tell me stories about how clyde drexler would come in and get drinks after a game and he would bring uh charles barkley with him or michael whoever they played that night and i was like oh i was freaking out over it geeking out as a little kid like grandma oh my god did you get autographs in this and she's like no just tips I just said hi to him. We were like, we were friends. Yeah, we were friends. I wasn't going to ask for autographs. I was like, Grandma, I, I, I don't. What about you, JP? And again, like, I'm, I'm curious. How do you connect from the literal like other side of the globe? How do you? What, what is the connection? Well, how do you get? How do you get here from there? Yeah. So I've got to be careful. I don't give away my vintage. But um, in the '80s, in high school, you know, NBA, MJ, it's big. And everyone was an MJ fan, and I think, I think I wasn't. I was just an anti, anti. You know, I just wanted to be anyone but MJ. I didn't want to be with a pack. So, okay. There was a guy by the name of Clyde the Glide, and I just, I just fell in love with Clyde Drexler. So I became a Portland fan back then. Now, we didn't have the connection. There was no internet. There was no league pass. But uh, probably about eight or eight or nine years ago. League Pass came out and it was a bit pricey, um, but I jumped on and you know I've been able to watch pretty much every game. The times nice. are, are really, really uh, valuable here, or favorable to watching games from the west coast of the US to east coast here. So mid morning, late afternoon, I get to watch games at work, have it on the background at home. So I, I feel connected and joining groups like this and being part of Discord is just like I'm not there, but I'm almost there. Like you said earlier, the interwebs, man. Uh, every corner of the interwebs, we are all adjacent, essentially. Uh, Absolutely. All, all the way back from Clyde, did did you have a did you have a gap? Have you been a Blazer fan all the way since Clyde to now, or do you, was it more kind of like yeah, Clyde look, to the I, league pass? I, I probably lost the '90s because the connections weren't that good. Who did? Um, and the M the NBA sort of dropped off a little bit, but. Uh, Probably the 2000s, you know, the 2010s, the internet and uh, NBA became really big here. We start to have a few more players playing in the league from Australia. So, yeah, that sort of helps. And the NBA is huge here. Like, it is huge. Not too many Portland fans, but, hey, that just adds to the uh, to the allure, eh? Oh, well, you got to convert them, man. Like, we, we got we to gotta get this going then. We, we'll start the campaign uh, down in Melbourne, get everything everything rolling. Here's here's a here's a weird here's a weird question. So like growing up in the Pacific Northwest, like you have like uh, the Seattle Mariners up north in Seattle too, and it's like so when they went and got Ichiro Suzuki, like they got all sorts of deals in place. So Mariner baseball was on all the televisions over in Japan. Was there any any access difference? Like did you notice a difference? Like maybe when Patty Mills came over, that maybe they tried to get the Blazers on TV more or no? No, no, no. It's still not on free to wear TV. Oh, it's no. still a pay. It's still a pay TV, you know, league pass proposition. But it's mm. huge. Uh, and kids, I don't know what it's like in the states, but kids don't follow teams as much. They follow a player. Mm. So you know, wherever Bryony okay. goes, that's who they sort of roll with. So I mean, they're, that's they're not real ones, but you know, it's the youth of today. Hey, so what can hey. you do? Team or player, you still love it, right? That's all. That's all that matters. All right, uh, and Jonas in here missed warmups, but uh, made it in for the start of the game. Fawad, the other member of the Unbiased Blazers podcast, we talked to Alex last week, and now we're completing the set. 
So what's up, man? We we've been we've been talking uh, uh, Blazer fandom. Where 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 do your roots come from? Why are you a Blazer fan all the way from up on the east side of Canada? Technical difficulties. Hello, listeners. As you just heard from the producer voice overhead, we had some more issues this week with uh, losing some audio. Fortunately, we didn't lose nearly as much as having to drop an entire guest out last time. Shout out to KJ, and again, hey. thanks for coming back on this episode. But we did lose part of Fawad's audio this week. Fortunately, it was only a small part. Unfortunately, it was this part, the intro, where he tells us about his fanhood origins up in Canada. We're going to leave the mystery unsolved at this time. We'll get Fawad back in here soon to tell you the tale. For now, let me tell you a little about me. We talked last week uh, about Chris's background as far as the, the journalist that has no real fandom. He, he's, he's stuffed that side of him away in, entirely. No, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> and then we, we, got, we got into not my own actual background. We got into the mythology of, of Kiki Montreal. Again, with a, some, some Canadian roots there <laughs> for you, Fawad. And my, myself, I, my, my family moved from California to Portland in the early 90s. And, yeah, you know, I, I remember the, the Clyde teams. I remember kind of uh, getting attached to the time, but it didn't quite sink in the same. I went off to college uh, in Phoenix and really attached to the Nash, Stoudemire, Grant Hill, Phoenix Suns for a while. Got into fantasy basketball and a lot of that. And then I came back after college, moved back to my hometown here with Blazers and just in time for kind of the the post jail Blazers kind of uh, renaissance, I guess, where Roy was coming around and kind of helping to kind of restructure t the team, bringing the character and kind of the, the fandom back in a lot of ways. And so it, it, it was a way for me where I'd already kind of revitalized my interest in basketball to come back up here and see, oh, this is the kind of team that I'm into. And this is the kind of team that I want to watch where it wasn't just about the basketball uh, play on the court, but it was about the the narratives, about the character, about the stories, and all the kind of the, the things you you see, uh, the things that you look to in sports beyond the game itself. Uh, so yeah, man, it you know, well I, I guess yeah, that's that's really it. That's where that's where I'm coming from at this point as well. And just yeah, bleeding black and red at, at this point. Um, Should I be wearing merch too? I I didn't get the memo. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. I do enjoy the two not wearing black or red or blazer stuff are both wearing white. So still technically, it's 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 in the color palette. It's it's part of the scheme. <laughs> I mean, technically now, you know, silver and brown and a couple different no, colors brown, are in no, the in, no, in the in no, the brown brown and topographical mapping does not count as part of the blazer color palette. Colgate green, I think, is going to be part right. of it. No, no, no Colgate PDX green. carpet. I was going to call <laughs> no. it, yeah, yeah, a light teal. Yeah, no no mint menthol PDX carpet stuff in here either. <laughs> Black, red, and silver, and white, I guess. Let's talk some actual topics here. The first thing I want to get into, guys, tonight, the, the changes for next season, specifically around the defense. Outside of Dame and Penny, basically every player you could you could look at as a defensive no, maybe not defensive focused, defensive minded, but defense is a part of their skill set, more or less. Uh, I feel like this is a, a serious shift, especially when you account for Chauncey Billups uh, and the, the what we've seen from him so far, what we've heard from him so far, being very focused on more of a defensive defense first kind of mindset for the team. Compared to Stotts, where it was very much the, the Stotts fence, the offense, the three-point spread, letting everyone get their shot. No one had a red light when it came to shooting the ball because it was all about the Stotts fence. Um, KG, let's jump to you first because again you have seniority uh, among the guests this week. Uh, how do you feel? Or what are you expecting for next year? Who do you think is going to really be the defensive 
Anchor, what, what do you think is going to be the, the biggest dynamic change uh, in, in that aspect? Well, first and foremost, I'm going to put on uh, my cape for Terry Stott. Like, I, I'm a big Stott supporter. <laughs> uh, I didn't think he deserved to be fired. And he was able to put together a top 10 defense uh, with the Blazers once. Um, the, the reason that the Stotts teams uh, have struggled with defense was the reason that we struggled with defense last year, was the reason that I think we'll struggle with defense here, uh, is uh, that there's just lack of uh, size and defense in the backcourt. Uh, you said except Damon Ant, and that's true, but Damon Ant are going to be your number right. one and two uh, guys in minutes played. Uh, and and so, like, as long as um, uh, we don't have, like, that Danny Green, that Clay Thompson, that, that guy who's going to guard the opposing uh, point guard, um, uh, it, then I, I think our defensive in, uh, issues are going to continue to go. And now you might say, well, we got Gary Payton. Gary Payton could be really good at that. But if Gary Payton's on the floor with Dame and with Ant, then all of a sudden, Ant has to guard small forwards. Uh, and so uh, I... Uh, I'm skeptical of the defense. I also don't think that Chauncey Billups' scheme necessarily makes sense for the roster. Um, uh, and so, uh, I, 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 if our starting lineup is what we're projecting it to be, then I think that's going to continue to be a problem. Ooh, okay. Boy, look, I, let me just let me just say before anyone else jumps in, we talked last week where we didn't have enough hot takes. Apparently, it was because we couldn't hear KJ enough for, <laughs> for the final audio. Uh, because jumping in with some fire, bro. Uh, okay, I, I, I like it. I got some things to say, but please, um, let, let's let's give it to distance after seniority. JP, how are you feeling about this? Um, I'm really confused. Um, I think the coaching staff's got a big job ahead of this year. How they're gonna, um, what scheme they're gonna run, and how they're gonna put this together. Because as you as you mentioned, you know, we've got a lot of you know reasonable defenders, point of attack defenders. Gary Payton, you know, Big Nurk can defend the rim. This, you know, a positive, you know, sort of rated defender. How you put all that together and play uh, with rotations, Dame on the floor and on the floor, Dame off and on, I just got to see it to believe it because, I mean, I look at sometimes defensive ratings and I look at the players and I'm like, how the hell do they pull this off? But they've got a great <laughs> coach and they play together, they see the floor uh, and they make it work. I can't see how this team's going to work, but then I'm not getting paid to make it work. You know, that's, that's fair. Coach yeah. Phillips and his team, you know, how they can pull it together. We, you know, to be, to make the finals, you've got to be top 10 in both. So we never have any trouble on the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive side is really challenging. So change the personnel. Josh Hart's a plus rated defender. You know, so how are we going to pull this together? I, I want to see it. I'm confident, but I just need to see it with my own eye. Between the confidence and, and, the, and the needing to see it, like, What's the biggest question mark for you? Like, like be, you mentioned Josh Hart uh, and 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 Nurk. I I didn't hear you mention Grant. Are you not too sure on how he's how he's gonna fit? Like, where where's where's the uh, gap here? You know, Grant's. I think Grant's a great defender. You know, but you know they've all got sort of various various strengths. So you know, like Nurk's a great you know rim traditional rim protector. You know, you've got point of attack. You got Gary Pate. You got some wing defense in um in uh, Grant. But how are they all going to play together? I mean, just being a specialist in your field doesn't necessarily guarantee it's all going to going to come together on the on the floor. And, and like I said, when I look at some of these great teams, I look at the names on the floor and I'm like, so it doesn't make sense. And yet, when they work together, they can defend pick and rolls. They can defend the three-point line. They can defend switches. 
I don't know how this is gonna work, you know, but I want to see it. I want to see it too, man. I'm I'm here for it. What about you, Fuad? I'm uh, actually with AJ on almost everything he said. I, I I was big Stotts fan, you know. When he had a good defensive roster, he did get what was it top six defense, I think. Um, and then you know we have a good roster defensively outside of Damon Damon Ant, but uh, I don't know if that's enough. I don't know. The, the one thing I did disagree with him is I don't think that it's the fact that they're on the perimeter that's going to hold us back. I think it's just as a whole, we, we don't know if uh, Billups' team is good enough. We got like such a small sample size of him playing with actual uh, our actual starters. And then we're going to have, what, two or three new starters as well, a couple different rotation players. So even if his, his scheme is good, it'll take us, you know, maybe like 15, 20, maybe even more games to figure it out. And in that time, our defense might not look that good. Um, and then I think just, you know, uh, the uh, the thing about uh, Ant, Dame, and Gary Payton all playing together, I think if Gary Payton does play the uh, Ken guard threes well, I, th I think then it could work. But again, if you're putting him on the best uh, best perimeter player and then you're putting Ant on a small forward, then, you know, that might be a concern. So I, I think we have the tools. I, I'm just not like ready to say oh we'll definitely have a uh, you know a top 15 defense i think it's we have the tools we just aren't i'm not confident in it yet i mean i i hear what you're saying as as far as like well, i guess what all three of you guys are saying as far as not having seen it yet need need to see it proven i think there's enough improvement here to be i mean uh, look again we saw what stats could do when he had defensive players we, we saw at least a small sample of actually making it work where it looks like it could be good on uh, a good team on both ends of the floor that was without a foundation of defense i think i think we're starting here with both players and just mindset wise there's there's a lot more a, a lot more to build on from the start i do think it has to be seen to be believed i'm, I'm not trying to jump in and say oh my god we're gonna be a top 10 and 10 on you know like on, on both sides it's not not a given but I don't. I, I'm. I'm not sure if I'm nearly as negative as some of what I'm hearing. All right. Multiple things here. First off, I just want to go to what JP said about. He said something about uh, being the best in your field doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to put the pieces together. And I think that's so spot on because look at what you got out of Robert Covington. Robert Covington is not a bad basketball player. Robert Covington is a very good basketball player. Just again, I've said this so many times on our podcast before. Just not utilized correctly and played right within the system not but fit. the thing is i don't understand still why blazer fan <laughs> on him because who led the team in blocks last year robert covington who led the team in steals last year robert covington like he wasn't a slouch so that to me when you uh, one thing you kept asking keith was like who's your dark horse or who are you trying to focus on defensively and to me it really comes down to the impact Jeremy Grant can have. Now, I think he's a better defender than a lot of people who haven't watched him a lot want to give him credit for. I, I think he can be plus on that side. But again, he has to fit in. He has to, obviously, uh, one of the main reasons they got him is not necessarily defense. It's to be a scoring power forward, which they haven't had in a very long time. Um, and so they, he's going to have to sh have to shoulder much more of the scoring load than Robert Covington had ever hoped to, to have to shoulder. But again, he's going to have to fill in for a guy who led the team in blocks and led the team in steals and take a little bit uh, of that onus off of, of Yusuf Nurkic. So that's a guy that I look at as being one of the more important guys on the roster to see how quickly he acclimates to the system. Uh, then secondarily on the, on, the, on the Gary Payton thing, it, 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 Gary Payton to me, 
as much as I do love the signing, I still think he's a very good on-ball defender and does a lot of things well that the Blazers uh, need. In Portland, what Gary Payton are you getting? Are you getting Golden State Gary Payton? Or are you getting Gary Payton who show, showed some flashes in Washington but wasn't really getting, you know, the, the praise to go get eight and a half million a year or a guy who went to training camp with Portland before being let go. So what Gary Payton are you getting to me? Again, I think there's going to be that curve there when he's realized, okay, now you're the guy there's no Draymond to lead on, but back to what Fawad said there, if you're going to put him on the court, he's going to be able to guard small forwards. He's going to be able to guard power forwards. He's going to get those big guys who can drive to the rim and you know, whatever what are you going to let up at the three-point line which is, is my next topic this is where damian lillard and ant need to both improve their defensive game and this is one thing that just i do not i can't stand when i see it from them is go all the way back to damian lillard's uh, rookie year when he was on nba uh on tnt and he was asked what do you do when a defender goes under the screen he goes i shoot the ball i shoot the ball if they go under the screen and then I watch Damian Lillard on defense go under the screen, fight over the screen. <laughs> How much can he and Ant fight over the screen so that players put as much pressure on the ball, ball handlers up on top of that three-point line and not rely on the stop, you know, the, the plug, if you will, in the paint in Nurk and Grant to, to bail you out of bad defensive situations. So it's not as if my take is hot because I don't think anyone here brought a hot take. I think that's definitely where the Blazers uh, defense is right now. There's some things that I see that I think this team can be vastly improved on that end. And then there's things that I see that go, oh, boy, if the puzzle pieces don't fit, you're right back at square one. That's that's fair. I, I mean, OK, that, that's fair. I can take that. I, I'm. I may be a little more optimistic on it, but we are in a show me kind of situation. Like we have oh, to yeah. see the change. We're, we're not like we're not in a spot where anything's been proven. You can talk about Peyton's defense, Grant's defense, uh, Nurk as well. I, I, all the pieces essentially, like I said, except Damon Penny uh, as being defensive, good defensive pieces, theoretically. Yeah. Uh, are you saying you're like headed or you think that's not? No, 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 no. It's no. I agree. Okay. Like you have, so the thing is, you have very, very good puzzle pieces right now very very good what you don't know is if those are even puzzle pieces from the same puzzle you know right. like yeah. like or are they all corner pieces when you need pieces in the middle you don't know yet and my thing is like do we have enough pieces to compete to complete the puzzle uh because uh, like one, one of the things that doesn't get talked enough uh when it comes about defenses is depth that year we were talking about where the Blazers were sixth in defense, you had Zach Collins, who was healthy for a stretch of time, and you had Ed Davis. It's not a coincidence that when you swap those guys out for Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor, that our defense gave. <laughs> uh, and so that that my question to you guys is this season, who is the backup four and five? Because we're in a place where if Yusuf Nurkic misses a game, like what is our front, what is our back line going to look at? So I, I do think this team is intentionally trying to go small this season. Like they're, they're going, they got Nurk and they got Eubanks and even Eubanks, I don't think is necessarily going to be the backup five every game. I, I think we're looking at I, uh, Cronin, I think in the, in the interview with, uh, uh, on the radio the other day, uh, who, wh who was that with? If you can remind me, anyone, was that, uh, Sprague and Durden Sprague? Yeah. Uh, Cronin. yes. Um, he said in the interview that you're going to see Grant uh, at five. And and who else did he mention? Like he, 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 a couple of these guys that we see as fours, maybe even like kind of three or fours, he's saying are going to be playing small ball five. So, and, and even beyond that, not trying to be too nitpicky here, KJ, but we've talked before, it's not a one-year plan, right? Like it, depth 
is not my big concern at this point. It's about trying. I, I want to know that we have a defensive system or scheme or kind of a, a, a character. I, the way that the Grizzlies are known as defensive minded teams, you know, uh, it just, yeah, it was, um, I, I, I want to see, I want to see that kind of foundation before we worry too much about the depth, but I'm not saying it's not, you know, obviously something to look for either. One of the things that's frustrated me every year, so I, I don't, like watching on League Pass is just a perspective, right? You don't tend to get whole court views that you would if you're at the game, but so what's really frustrated me is, you know, teams or giving, having, putting out defensive schemes out there that just allow career bests each night. So someone seems to go off and where I find is that we've just given too many easy catch and threes, catch and shoot threes. We've just been mm -hmm. traditionally weak. We can protect the paint really well and, and hats off to our big man Nerf there, yeah. right? Yeah. But even when he's off the court, we still don't allow a lot of points in the paint. And yet catch and, you know, even switching on defense, it's just too many open threes, which teams make with abandon. And, you know, once those three start going in, points start racking up. And I don't know, it's just we, we haven't been able to to sort of bring ourselves to some kind of parity. Poor JP still feels the pain of the legendary Mike Muscala game. Oh. <laughs> Mike Muscala plays Baines. a killer. Yeah. Hey, hey what, what about Aaron Baines? Right. There was a day he <laughs> yes, pulled out actually. for uh, Phoenix. He hit about nine threes yeah. by half. Oh, time. my which God. Was like, I it was like that. Which was <laughs> not. Kill me. I'm, yeah, pretty sure it was not that long after Muscala either. Muscala, who is averaging like four points a game, goes out and drops like thirty, hits eight threes. And yeah. Sots is just like, well, everyone has, everyone has career nights every once in a while. But that's what that's what I'm saying is the difference we're looking for, right? Like that's what I'm trying to get excited about here is we've had that weakness for so long with the Blazers, where yeah they can score, but are they going to score more than the opponent? Now we have from the coach, from so much of the roster. Uh, and so many of the new pieces there, like we, we, we have guys that are, I think, going to be at the very least pluses on that end. Not questionable, not kind of like, you know, are they good system fits like Rocco, where we just have dudes that are going to be plus defenders. Who's a better point of attack defender, Grant or Peyton? Gary Payton. Gary Payton Gary might Payton. be the best point of attack. Are you sure that's not just you're you're that no. that's not just recency bias as far as seeing what he just did? No. Like No, 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 no. This has been Gary Payton's calling card since his time in Oregon State, dude. His his on ball point of attack defense is freaking top. No. Top I'm not saying no, it's not he, top. I'm I'm just saying both of them are are, are top tier point of act uh, point of attack defenders. And Grant has more length, which is gonna be something we're gonna need. Yeah, it, it uh, like Grant at six eight, he can defend more people. Like uh, Gary is probably not gonna do great on uh, uh, Luca or LeBron or something. And so I, to, I should have worded point, it sure. like, who's a better P of A defender for us? I guess is what, what you're saying. And, and so it, it it depends. If you're talking about um, a forward, it's gonna be granted. If you're talking about a guard, it, it's Gary Payton. But like all things being uh, equal, like dribbling the ball next to Gary Payton is just a tactical oh. error. So No, I'm, yeah. that, that's fair. That's fair. No, I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not throwing shade at Gary Payton. I'm just saying, when was the last time we could have that conversation? Like, when was the last time you, you said, hey, who's the best defender for Portland? Uh, and it, the answer wasn't Nurk. Uh, now we have Nurk is then like an afterthought because we have these two other dudes who could both arguably be the best uh, defender on, on any given night, depending on who the attack is coming from, yeah? I'm not crazy here. I'm I'm not trying to be a total Grant homer. I'm just saying, like, it, it, I know Peyton's amazing. I'm not saying he's not amazing, but I, I think Grant is going to do some things this season. Yeah, so, sorry, I mean, having someone to disrupt the play at the top of the keys 
incredibly important. So, okay, you're great once it gets in the paint, but now we've got some guys who can disrupt attacks before it gets in the paint. So as long as we can track the ball around the key or the three-point line, we're going to be in a much better position. But I like these pieces we've got. I like these pieces. I love the pieces. I feel confident. I love having some guys who can play D. We've got some challenges with Dame and Ant, but I want to see how it all gets put together. You know? And I, I would be the first person to, you know, hand in my uh, questionable Blazers on defense card. You know, I'll hand that in. I'll retire. I want to see that membership. change. Yeah, I'm, I'm with out, you, man. dude. I'm, I'm ready for a different style for sure. And I, I think that's what I'm excited about, really. Before we go on, uh, just real quick, back to, to what our boy Die Mad was saying. Uh, when you talk about Gary Payton, everyone, one thing we're focusing on here uh, that is it, we need to go outside of that. And we're talking about uh, point of attack and on ball and disrupting the play. I want to go back to the playoff run and specifically the finals and go back and watch defensive plays of Gary Payton Jr. Or Gary Payton II. And watch what he there does that there's nobody on the Blazers squad that does right now very well. And no one has done for years. Even when you had Norman Powell, who's a good defender. Even when you had uh, Robert Covington. It's it's shades of, of Gary Trent, but at just a much more elite level doing it. Is He is... Uh, fighting around picks defensively, staying off the ball on his assignment. He makes, not only once the ball is in your hand, hard getting by you, he makes it hard for the player he's guarding to get the ball in their hands in the first place. Like he is an off ball pest. He is always moving, always finding the lane, always like fighting around picks defensively just to get keep, stay with his guy and stay in his, hip, uh, in his hip pocket. It is a huge, huge asset defensively that, again, if you talk about who has done that type of defense in the last few years, again, it's very akin to Gary, Gary Trent when everyone loved his defense because he was always moving, always, always fighting around picks, always trying to get somewhere. But he, he could get beat or he could be lost in the, in, in the mo- moment. You don't get that with Gary Payton. And so that's something I think we need to, pe- people need to focus on as well. Not just what he's going to do on ball, but what he does in the lanes off ball is going to drastically change how you can run that defense. I'll, Next. I'll take that, man. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, bag on, on Gary Payton here. I, I, just, I, I think between Payton and Grant, I think we have two better defenders for Portland than we've seen. I, I'm not even like, I think they're both better than Nurk. And Nurk is the best defender we've had for years at this point. And before Nurk, I don't even know who it would have been. And again, I okay, I may be outnumbered here. I can concede Gary Payton is going to be the the defensive piece. But even like what you just said, no, well, no, no, he's not. That... Stop, stop. He's not. We you haven't even mentioned the defensive MVP slash Rookie of the Year Jabari Walker yet. Unbelievable. <laughs> he went this far without even talking about it, Keith. We talked about Jabari for like half the last episode. <laughs> I wasn't sure how long it would take to get to mention him. <laughs> One last thing on defense here, and then we want to get to the second topic. JP mentioned a minute ago, Dame and Penny Simons. And also, quick, you've all said Ant. I want to hear, someone give me a penny at one point. Just give me a penny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who is the bigger liability this, uh, this next season? Dame coming off surgery, being fresh, being like freshest Dame we've probably ever seen in a Blazer uniform, or Penny, who's been statistically one of the worst defenders in the NBA as far as guards go in recent seasons? Yeah, look, uh, I'm quickly going to get myself booted off here. But if Dame is <laughs> 6'3", I'm 6'8". He ain't 6'3". It's all about length in the NBA. And as you know, Dame's, Dame has athleticism, but I feel he's lost a step. And, you know, people will always pick him out. I, I see more potential 
in ant. Sorry, Penny. Uh, there we go. His, def his defensive chops, but uh, yeah, as, look, you know, Yama criticized Dame. You know, top 75 player, top 10 NBA at the moment. It's going to bring 30 points per game each week. You know, the guy can't do everything, so it's up to the coaching staff to put a scheme around him that compensates. Look at Steph Curry, surrounded by elite defense. They get him to play mm. a role, and the whole thing works. Full of long-rangey defenders around him. So, you know, I'm not going to blame it on uh, on Dame. But, yeah, to me, he's the weaker link. He just doesn't have the, the size or the reach. Yeah, the size and length has to do with it. Yeah, and if, if I can just say on Simons, uh, I've heard a lot, well, uh, he's only 23. Uh, he's going to improve. He's going to get better. Uh, the guy's been in the league for four years. Uh, he is, as you said, one of the worst perimeter defenders in the league, and they just gave him $100 million. Uh, who was it? <laughs> Jabari Parker, who said uh, guys don't get paid to play defense, at, at, and that's true. Like, that. Uh, uh, huh. uh, he... he they get paid on production. Yeah, it's not defensive. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, Gary Payton literally just got played to pay defense. And Anthony Simons is making four Peter times as much. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Three times. Okay, well then, what, what about what about the max extension that, that Draymond Green's going to sign? I mean, uh, that's worth uh, talking about. Actually. <laughs> oh boy, we can get into that one. Let's 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 divide the third topic between that and Jr. We can, we can get into both of those. <laughs> Listeners, if it, you know, we've heard three different unique perspectives as far as uh, the the most defensive, uh, biggest defensive liability for the Blazers this season. Tell us who you agree with or who you don't. Write in the Trailcasters. We got email, we got Twitter, and all that kind of thing. But mostly, we have the Discord. Come and join us on the Discord. Lots of fun uh, shenanigans from there. All three guests today: KJ, Fawad, JP, all from our Discord. That's how you get involved in the pod. And the more people that get in the, with, uh, the more people that get involved with the pod, the better. So, topic two: Joe Cronin. I want to do another heat check. We talked last week a bit about. Jabari Walker, and it became less of a heat check because as much as I feel like we've heard a lot of, uh, you know, kind of really high hopes for what Jabari was going to do, Jabari the GOAT, the best Jabari and all the rest of that, last week we seemed to have a pretty kind of unanimous, universal kind of uh, agreement that, you know, maybe kind of tamping that down a bit and going a little colder on what his expectations were going to be for the season. Joe Cronin, though, we have... A little bit more, we, we, we have a little larger sample size. We've seen what he's done for the team so far. Obviously, there's a lot of moves left to be made. Like I mentioned earlier already, KJ, this is not a one-year plan. It was always going to be this offseason and probably this uh, up to the deadline and probably more next offseason before we really are talking about a contender built around Dame as the plan has been. But with so far what Cronin has done, I want to hear your guys' takes, what, what, how you're feeling. What, like just Again, just getting the heat check on, on where he's at. So give me what's, – what's your hottest take that you've heard or that you feel? Either way, it doesn't have to be your thoughts, but what's the hottest take you've heard on Joe Cronin so far? I have still, I have still seen people <laughs> on him. That's the hottest take. <laughs> the hottest That's take the hottest that, take. Hottest take people I, are still saying he's bad? I've still seen people not happy with the way this offseason has gone and blah, 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 and that one blows my mind. It, you, you took swings. I don't care if they don't work out. Like, you took swings, dude. 
You can't, you didn't just sit in the batter's box hoping that the pitcher pitches around you. You get walked and you luck your way to first base. I'm wearing a baseballism shirt. That's all my analogies. They're all baseball related. <laughs> I apologize. But that's the thing. You took a swing. You went and got got Jeremy Grant. And people are upset with that. Oh, you got J- Jeremy Grant. That's not who I wanted. A, you gave away peanuts to get him. And B, he's one of your biggest offseason acquisitions in God knows how long. Unlike Robert Covington, again, who I will say for the 2,000th time on this episode, is my favorite player in the NBA, and I absolutely love him. Wasn't worth multiple first-round picks in anybody's imagination except Neil Olshay's, right? So you go out and you get him. You get you get a, a good depth with jo- Josh Hart. You get end up uh, getting Gary Gary Payton, who again people freaked out about that. Oh my God, they gave the money to Gary Payton. Literally, uh, what has it been in the last few years? Defense. We need defense. Blazers need defense. The defense is bad. The defense is bad. You go out and sign a guy whose main calling card is defense, he and is somehow defense. people are like, Oh God, don't know how I feel about that move. Do, do, <laughs> do, you do either want defense or you don't. Like literally, all the things that you've said, what you, what you've needed to improve to at least get the, the 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 train going in the right direction, right? You've started to put those those pieces in place. I think it's been an incredible off season for him so far. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But you you dude, you you shook up what was Blazer off season status quo, and yeah. I think that is a very very good move. Uh, look, uh, I, I don't know the, the guy got the job. They didn't interview anyone. It's just the Covington um, uh, deal that I just can't understand what happened. Covington and Powell. Because, like, I think you've got to go back a step further. We, we we gave up Trent and two first rounders to get Powell and Covington. And then at the end of this transaction, which is three cents on the dollar, we got Keon Johnson, who else? Winslow and Eric Bledsoe stretched out three years. And a future second round pick. So for me, I think you can swing for the fences, and I'm going to give you know the the uh, the other trades a plus, the drafting pluses, almost A's. But this one, I just don't don't get it. And and you had an opportunity to be daring, but I just feel that was too daring and too smart. So unless there's something coming out of this trade that I can't see, you know, I I, I may have missed the boat. Everything else he's done, cannot fault him cannot fault length defense and i get i get you there but that clip that clipper move was pulled off by joe cronin on paper only right like that was that was by all accounts not a joe cronin decision in the long run that was a vulcan decision to do so well that's how joe cronin got the job though wasn't it yeah but that uh, it's it's one thing to make a decision for the team and it's another to make a decision because jody or bert is telling you to do Mm -hmm. this to relieve uh a cap or or to kind of clear up some salary money Mm -hmm. i I just like the problem it's it's one of these kind of conversations where it's like oh it's a business too kind of thing it's not just about basketball unfortunately and i i think that's kind of where this move fell it's kind of in the idea that it was a business decision for people that are not necessarily interested in the basketball side versus the other moves that were made were seemed to be pretty strongly about the basketball side see that that was my position all summer long like up until the jeremy grant trade when you looked at uh, the new orleans deal you looked at um the clippers deal uh like the, the only thing that made sense is that joe cronin's plan was save jody allen money because the clippers trade was abysmal it, it's the worst trade i've yeah. ever seen that didn't involve russell westbrook like it, it was that bad <laughs> giving up two starters for actually nothing no offense Keon johnson actually nothing 
uh, is <laughs> completely indefensible, especially when you have uh, a superstar player, top 10 player in the league, in his prime, saying, I want to win a championship here. Uh, and you take two of your starters and you just throw them away. Bro, that's like that's like trading that's like trading uh, freaking Trendon Wofford right now and then arguing that you traded a starter. Like Robert Covington's not a starter. Robert he started Covington on your has been a starter he started in the on NBA your, for years. He's, he started on the Blazers, player, but at though. this point in time in his career, Robert Covington is not a starting caliber power forward in the NBA, justified by the fact that he went to the Clippers, and what did he do? He came off the bench. The Clippers are one of the deepest teams in the freaking league. The fact seven, that he's... Seven points, a, <laughs> seven points a game and, and five rebounds, and you traded a starter? No, you traded a starter by name only. I will defend Robert Covington's play style all day long, but you're... You okay. Uh, okay. Let, 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 let's put it this way: uh, Is Robert Covington a player that you could see being in the rotation on a championship? Absolutely. Is Norman rotation, Powell yeah. a player you could see being in the rotation on a championship? Again, yes. Okay. Rotation, yeah. Yeah. All right. Not starters, but rotation. Okay. So we we had two of those players. We got nothing. But you have a star in his prime. You ha you're allegedly competing for championships. You have two rotation caliber players. We can argue about whether or not they come off the bench. I think if Powell was starting next to Lillard right now, we would actually be in much better shape. But I agree with that. I'm okay with that. But uh, like you take those players, you tear them up, you throw them away for nothing. Like that, it, that, that move did get you under the tax, though, did it not? But that's the thing. Uh, if you're doing the that, CJ that, trade for Grant anyway, then you're under the tax. You don't have to do that. So, so here's my point, right? So is Joe Yacob worrying about getting under the tax? Thank you. Fuck he ain't, hell he no. ain't worried. Hell no. Hell no. He's going to pay, and he's going to pay some more. So what are these billionaires doing? You got a team? Pay up. Thank well, Joe, Joe Lacob's not trying to position himself to sell the team, though, either. Like, Jody, nah. we, we, it's a known thing that she eventually is positioning herself to, to move this team for profit, and she's trying to maximize that, where she's turning down uh, profitable offers from Phil Knight. So it, it, it's, it's a little different than Lacob, but I hear you, too. It is so, definitely a move so where we're not, we're not doing this to compete for a championship, at least with that move. You've got a competitive championship-reaching roster. I think you're going to get a higher price. Then if you're slightly under the luxury tax with a team of chuckers out on the floor. Sorry for my vernacular. No. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't know, but I would assume that a team with KD on it and Dame and no one else is going to get a higher price than a team of well-rounded, balanced individuals. I don't know. If you're worried about price, there's a way to, to maximize your sale price as well. All right, so trade for KD incoming. Can we agree in general that he's Cronin has set himself up to to be a good GM, to have a good a good uh, good run as a GM? But what three of the four moves kind of thing is what we're looking at right now? Three of the four major moves he's made have been approved, but that one move just really sticks out as a sore thumb, generally. Yeah. So the the Clippers trade uh, absolute garbage app. Um, uh, the uh, uh, CJ McCollum trade. If you want to like piggyback the Grant trade into it uh, and just consider that one trade, which I think is fair, uh, I think it's clear from the way that that trade was structured. He left with a trade exception that I think is just like within nine thousand dollars of Jeremy Grant's salary, uh, and so it, it, it's clear that that um, uh, the the CJ for Grant trade was really just one transaction. If you want to uh, uh, consider that, you can take like 
an A and an F and it averages out to a C, I, I guess. Like, uh, I know most of you guys from the Twitter spaces that we had. Uh, and one of the conversations that we had in the Twitter spaces after every game last year is, okay, if we can trade CJ, who can we trade for? Uh, it was a lot of Ben Simmons jokes at the time. Uh, and uh, we talked about uh, Ben Simmons. We talked about uh, Pascal Siakam. And then we're just like, well, I guess if Jeremy Grant is the best we can do, then okay. Uh, and, and and so we turned CJ uh, and Larry Nance uh, into uh, Josh uh, Josh Hart and uh, Jeremy Grant. Uh, it uh, like on its own uh, th that trade is okay. I I hoped we would have gotten more for CJ, um, uh, but uh, it, I I like that move. It, it's we a, might have years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, exactly. Uh, like that in and of itself was defensible, um, but. If you're trying to build a contender around Damian Lillard, you don't draft a 19-year-old prospect. Uh, if you're trying to compete uh, around uh, Damian Lillard, um, you you have literally any other player on the team that's 30 years old. Like, we have none of those right now. Uh, and so if the stated goal is to build a championship roster around Damian Lillard, and it is, I think he has failed at that completely. Yeah, okay. I must admit, I'm a little bit confused because if it's trading for the championship, they should have given up seven, gone after John Collins or OG, the Raptors. But taking a punt and saying, let's go for a, well, he was a dark horse. Like, it's almost a future building. It's a bit of put both camps. So I, I, I can't really explain that. But look, if Sharp pays off, he's a generational talent. I admit Sharp could be great. Um, uh, they got him in the gym with Dame. Uh, Dame really liked him. They said there's something here. Uh, and so maybe he does turn out to be the Canadian Kobe. I'll grant that. Uh, but but <laughs> even if he does, it's not going to be until Damian Lillard is 35, 36 years old. And at, at, at that what, point, he, still, what are we doing? So he's, he's still an asset, man. I, 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 don't I, I do think – I don't want to focus on Sharp too much because I do think he's still an open enough question where there's a lot of opportunities for him to be an asset that still turns into something around Dame. Uh, Okay, okay, though, but we've heard some of some ups and downs on Cronin at this point. Some some venting, maybe, about the frustrations Will he's done. Give me a rating, guys. Uh, KJ, you brought it up on, on the, the A to F scale. You're putting him somewhere around a C. What do you guys think? Like, uh, give me an official uh, a grade rating on what Cronin has done so far. Uh, I'm going to give him a solid B. Maybe even leaning towards a B+. Plus. Just that trade, I just can't get out of my head. But everything else, I can't fault him for. Where he's uh, reshaped the roster, how he's positioned the roster to swing big this season, next season, I I'm comfortable. You know, I like that. Okay, okay. Where's the? G give me the sting, KJ. Are you going with the solid C, or you want to adjust? Uh, it, so the C specifically for Grant for McCollum, like uh, like that that trade, I uh, I think is fine. Um, uh, but the the Roka move was indefensibly bad. I don't think we should have kept the pick with Sharp. And the, the biggest problem that we had last year is that there were too many guards on the roster. And the biggest problem we have on the roster right now is that there are too many guards on the roster. Uh, and so I, I don't see that we've made progress <laughs> in that point. I, I see that our depth has actually diminished by quite a lot. Uh, and so I, I won't say F just because I, I like Jeremy Grant as a player. I like Gary Payton. Um, but I'll say D+. Plus. What? Oh my God! Well, okay. I'm, just, I'm gonna give uh, Joe Cronin an F because he didn't trade peanuts for LeBron James and Kevin Durant and 
like everything else you guys want it's the a d absolutely blows my mind you want to talk about indefensible <laughs> uh that's that's wild and here's here, just and, and real quick yes the trade what you got in return in the clippers trade was absolutely asinine and again most things point to that not being a joe cronin move but had you not traded cj mccollum at the deadline which might not have happened since most most talk at that time was leaning towards a possible offseason slash a package with the with the pick that trade did get you under the tax, which is beneficial because after you traded every or did your trades, you re-signed your people this year. Portland's already over the tax by one and a half mil right now. Okay. So had you not got under the tax, you're looking at the repeater tax, which drastically impacts your ability to have money in the next offseason. So they're looking at two off seasons down the road when they made that move with the possibility that they don't trade CJ McCollum before the deadline's done. It just screams insurance policy to me. Now, if they didn't get everything in return, I get that with the return one for one indefensible. Sure. But mm, a D a D plus overall. I think you just got, I just, I just think you got some anger. Uh, that, that may or may not be true. Uh, uh, they don't call me die happy anymore. Uh, <laughs> before hey before we keep before we dive into this let's make sure we get a good proper goodbye to jp though so he doesn't yes. have to leave us early yeah thanks uh, guys yeah thanks for coming JP. out i really appreciate appreciate the invitation I, I love being part of the family uh it makes me feel connected to the team and the supporters so shout out to you guys for giving up your time uh run the discord run the pod keeping us all engaged over off season and during in season, you're doing a fantastic job, and I love you guys. Thanks for having me on. Love you too, man. Welcome really, back really anytime. You so much. Th yeah, we're gonna get you back on here ASAP. And thank you so much for the time, dude. Go and do your thing. God, I love that this is an international, <laughs> worldwide TC at this point, man. I love having you as part of the family so much. Prestige. Thanks, guys. I'm out. Worldwide. Peace. <laughs> Cheers. Bye bye. All right, third and final topic. Uh, thanks again, real quick, to, to JP Mac, man. Awesome, awesome times talking to this dude from the other side of the globe, a Blazer fan just like us, and on our Discord. So again, listeners, if you haven't joined our Discord yet, the link is in the episode description. Please come and join our Discord. Come join Fawad's Discord. Uh, Alex and Fawad have their their unbiased Blazer Discord. Uh, as, as long as you're you know, as long as you're not uh, hacking in uh, at, at this point, and as long as you're not gonna. I don't know this you're story, so by the way. You what? I, I don't know this story. You, I know something went on with oh. Discord earlier today, but check out I, I check out the vent in the Discord. Okay. Yeah, if if you want the story, if you if you want the story, come and join the Discord. Uh, the skinny of it is that. Fawad was using offshore Canadian Reddit <laughs> accounts to try to illegally boost his podcast signal, and was you know totally disrespectful to the podcast community or something and. You know, very unfortunate that you would do such a such a bad thing. Cross, cross so many lines that you man, did that, that a you didn't you, you, a you didn't even do. But secondarily, how dare you? How and dare your you? Podcast be accused of trying to possibly grow, <laughs> like oh for shame. So that's rude. the skinny. That's the skinny. Go back to the vent. The details are there. Come and join the Discord. Links in the episode description. Lots of shenanigans. <laughs> lots of talks. Lots of. Drum, drum, drama? Uh, eh, whatever. Third and final topic for the day. J.R. Smith, man. Uh, we've all seen this quote at this point. 
it boils down to essentially JR saying if Dame is going to stay in Portland, he's not going to win a championship, and he's going to quote unquote rot in Portland. Uh, okay, so so beyond our dialogues about building a contender, someone that can maybe try and compete over the next couple of years. The idea of rotting in Portland. Coming from J.R. Smith. <laughs> someone someone dive in here. I, I don't even know where to go, man. Like, this is this is absurd to me. I, I, I don't know if you guys saw Dame's, uh, Dame's response through Ballsack Sports. Uh, <laughs> was was quite something. Uh, he had some nice quotes in there that were obviously not Dame at all. Uh, but yeah, how, how are you guys feeling? What, what is... What's the what's the thoughts on this? Does JR's comments on Dame rotting in Portland have any effect, or, or is this just you know the latest offseason drama of people's trying to say like, oh, Dame, come and join our team? Does he even have a team? Doesn't he golf at this point, bro? He's yeah, on he Scully, went from uh, he's on Scully. He, 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 ah, okay. He went from not knowing the, the not knowing how much time was left in the quarter to going back to college and and I don't know, hopefully taking some math classes and also golfing yeah you ever seen that episode of south park where the the, the boys discover the 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 cure for aids is all of magic johnson's money that he sleeps on <laughs> you know what i'm talking about yes okay yeah, they well, just wanna, a blender <laughs> right well you want to know what the cure for rotting in portland is sleeping on a bed made out of 60 million dollars a year yeah, I don't think he's gonna rot at all. <laughs> like... I don't think he's worried, man. And, but but even with that, so we we've we the, he, Dame has said this before. He has said in previous off seasons, look, my family's taken care of, my kids are taken care of, my kids' kids are probably taken care of, uh, and I'm happy. I'm having like like it's it, there's more to him about this than the ring. So it just it just seems like such a dumb conversation, man. Like it's I I don't know. I, I'm I'm just sick of the whole like. And on one hand, I'm sick of the whole conversation about being in, staying in Portland, staying with this team, not going to LA or going to New York, going to Boston or one of these like you know major markets that wants to drag him there. Uh, means that he's never going to win a ring. How many teams in the last decade have won a ring? It, it, it's it's a, a very small list of teams that have actually competed for a title and won a ring in the last decade of basketball, or even two decades of basketball. It's incredibly small. It's it's not about just winning rings. If if he's happy here, uh, and he's doing things for him and his family, then then great. But also, in addition to that, the possibility of winning a ring here in Portland is not gone. I'm I'm sorry. I know that I, we can be cynical. I, I, I wouldn't say it's gone. Uh, like it, yeah, it, hey, it's, it's a non-zero percent you, chance. There's possibilities out there. But but again, like like you just said, KJ, it's it's a non-zero chance here like yeah we don't have to be favorites but if they chip in a chair keep dork did it in dallas we could do it in portland dame could do it in portland chip in a chair all you need is a chip in a chair, chair right man yeah dude i've been there I've poker been that guy. poker I've reference from, for literally I, I, i've come back from a big blind and won a tournament i'm just gonna say i'll just throw it in there uh for what were yeah man I, this is i mean it's nothing new like every off season like you said there's you know maybe it's not jrvc off season but someone says it we have the same discussion all over again. Like, I- I'm right. so over this whole topic. Like, you know, Dame <laughs> so wants bad. to stay here. He has no issues staying here. He doesn't want to leave. He's, you know, he's going to the playoffs every single year. It's not like he's stuck on the Kings or something where he's like the 10th, 11th seed every single year. Uh, you know, it's pretty close <laughs> to his family to Oakland's like what, like an hour flight, maybe two hours. 
he, that's part of the he's yeah. he's mentioned Our that guy. as part of the reason why he you know he's okay with it. He's close to home. Uh, like 25 of the other teams are further away from his home. He's this is like the second or third closest team. Um, you know he's yeah. been here for what uh, 10, 11 years now. He's built his new home here. He's you know so attached to the community. There's just he's not going to leave, and he has no issues staying either. We're not holding him hostage and forcing him to stay in you know for whatever reason. Mostly, I just think it's impressive that this is only like the third dumbest thing J.R. Smith has ever done. Like, <laughs> we, we all know about uh, like that finals moment where he just forgot what he was doing in pro and maybe what the most important moment of his life. Uh, but there, LeBron, like the. But uh, also, and th this is important, and this hasn't gotten talked about enough this week. One time, J.R. Smith threw soup at a guy. Like, I, I, yeah, I, yes, he did. I, I don't know what the context was exactly. I think it was like an assistant coach, um, uh, and uh, like he just got mad at him. I think this was in his uh, last Cleveland stint, and he just like throws uh, a bowl of soup at the guy. Uh, and so, like, he's trying to come off. What kind off... of soup was it? We, we heard it was it chicken noodle. I feel like we heard at one point it was like ramen or I feel something. Like I remember the, tomato, this was, but I don't know. This was highly reported at the time. I think it tomato. was chicken and stuff. He's trying to come off like Jerry West uh, dunking on JJ Redick, and like, he just you're you're not at the level to do that, man. It, it, it's a talking point for idiots like us, and I say that in a lovable way, like the 2004 <laughs> Boston Red Sox were lovable idiots go team um but i think it's incredibly weird when someone in the profession of his which is basketball starts like more or less kind of talking shit on a guy's professional decisions that he's made while he's still in the middle of making them like i think right. it's weird like like if if you were in you know tech or something say someone's w working for facebook and doesn't want to go to you know or someone's working for Twitter, but doesn't want to go to Facebook because Facebook is the running champion or whatever. And then someone's like, oh, I can't believe he took $60 million to stay at Twitter. What an idiot. He's going to rot. Right, there. Like, no, right, right. he's got a lot of money and he's going to take care of his family, which here's the deal. I know this sounds dumb and people are going to be like, no, 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 this is sports. And, you know, teach their own. But at the end of the day, when Damian Lillard is no longer lacing them up, not only for the Blazers, but in the NBA in general, his family's taken care of. He's taken care of. Dame Jr.'s taken care of. His mom, his aunts, his uncles, everybody he loves is taken care of. And at the end of the day, at least for me, that matters way more than any ring I could ever win. And so if you worry about rotting in Portland, no, I think he's sitting here going, this city has taken some pretty damn good care of me. Like, maybe it gets to a point where he wants a ring more than anything else, and then you get in that. We've had those situations, right? Like, it's uh, the Gary Payton and Carl Malone weird era with the Lakers, right? And Patrick Ewing <laughs> no yeah. longer welcome in New York, so he goes to Seattle and weird little stuff <laughs> like that. But but this idea, that, like, I, I think you're almost... And I, and I don't want to sound like I'm being a softy, but like I almost feel like you're crossing a line when you say that this guy's professional decisions are going to make him quote rot in that location. Like I agree. No, no, yeah. because no one else was. No one's rotting in their town. Like okay, Reggie Miller played in uh, in Indiana. Did he rot in Indiana because he played in Indiana his entire career and doesn't have a ring to show for it? No, yeah. he's a Hall of Famer and one of the best to ever play the game of basketball. 
No, it, 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 and this narrative is so weird too because a, a ring changes everything to this topic, which it shouldn't. Because uh, if he hadn't won a ring yet, they're gonna talk. They would talk about Giannis in the same vein, like, oh, he's gonna rot in Milwaukee. No, he's not. They're paying him millions, and he loves it there. He's That's not a rotting. great point. If like, he hadn't won the the ring, the one ring yet, right? Like, yeah. So so rot is such a weird term because maybe Damian Lillard is gonna have a career. Akin, again, akin to a Patrick Ewing, akin to a Charles Barkley, right? Where you're an all-time great. You just don't have uh, that ring on, on your finger. That, that's, that's why I got married, so that I could have a ring and claim that victory. <laughs> um, because, unfortunately, I didn't even have the skills to win a summer league one. Shout out to last episode. <laughs> hey! um, but no, so yeah, this, this idea of rotting because he made a, a decision that, you know, benefits him on the court because he likes playing here and at the end of the day benefits him off the court i can't fault him for that and secondarily one thing that dame is going to have that jr smith's never going to have and this is not even a slight on jr it's just the the fact of the matter um damian lillard has done an incredible amount of legwork to build his brand so when basketball is done he can go rot in whatever freaking city he wants and still continue to make millions off of his Adidas deal which is going to last longer much longer than his playing days off of any other endorsement deal that he gets at once he retires cuz he's know he's going to have plenty off of his rapping career off of everything else that people are going to pay him money to endorse like there's rot is just not the word you should use with Damian Lillard because he is not rotting on that bed just made of nothing but dollar bills. Even setting the money aside, it you know his ring might uh, getting a ring with another team it might add to his legacy, but most likely by the time he retires he's gonna be the Blazers franchise goat. There's only thirty of those in the world. Absolutely. You know a lot a lot of people win yeah. rings. It's you know it's not it is exclusive, but it's you know there's a lot more people that win rings than there are franchise goats, and that's something he's talked about since you know i don't even know how many years now that he wants to be the dirk the tim the guy that spends his entire career with one franchise and goes down as their best of all time that's important to him and and real quick for because that's a good point but the crazy part is is that people continue to question it in an era of the nba when players have more power than they've ever ever had and what I mean by that is if Damian Lillard actually wanted out of Portland, he could be out of Portland tomorrow. Yep. If he really wanted, that was his end goal. So when he says, yeah. I want to play in Portland, and then at the end of the day, we all go to bed, he's still a blazer. He's true to what he's saying. Because again, this is the era where players have, all, I, this, it, this never used to be a thing. If you wanted to play on a different team, your team either chose to trade you or you hit free you agency. You wait till that, like, last year. And right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Kevin Durant can walk up to his front off and say, I don't want to play here anymore. Trade me. Mm-hmm. And now we're all talking about trade rumors. Ben Simmons can say, I don't want to play here anymore. Trade me. And they, fu- and, and they fall to it and they trade it. So in the and era like, of uh, player pow- empowerment, if Dame wanted out, he could be gone. But he proves that he doesn't want to. But hey, here's the thing. Fawad says he hates that this topic happens every single summer, as do we all, but we still talk about it. And to J.R. Smith, I mean, he's on that pod, he's doing stuff, he's a talking head, and that's what talking heads do, is they bring up topics that they know are going to get interaction. So, I mean, at that point, he's doing his job, so good on him. It is just a tired conversation. Uh, I just asked Keith to bring this up so I could talk about the soup thing again. I, I think that's underrated. <laughs> Soup of the day. It was a uh, chicken tortilla. Mmm. 
See, now we're talking tortilla soup. That that's that's a real that's a real thing. <laughs> it's like the opposite of the Bachelor. Uh, instead of uh, giving them a rose, you just like throw soup. Just again, I, I, what's weird to me is the same people who want to knock Dame for always talking about loyalty and this and that knock LeBron for going to multiple teams. So it's like, do you want, like, what makes you Which mad? Be, being loyal or being disloyal? Like, you can't be mad at both. Like, oh, yeah, I can't believe LeBron chased a ring and went to Miami and did this. Should have been loyal to Cleveland. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I can't believe Dame is just so loyal to that one place. He should really leave to go get a ring. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, I, I, like, I do think in general, I, I, I think... I think there has been a shift. Like I, I know that people are still trashing Dame as far I, people are still trashing Dame as far as the general NBA fan and and this idea of like why is he staying in Portland. But I do think in general, you look at Ja, you look at Giannis, like we mentioned earlier. There are a lot more players nowadays. A lot of those star like high caliber players that are choosing to say, hey, you know what? I want to be with one team. My career. I, I think it's a trend. It, it, it might be going the right direction. Is all I'm saying. I brought this up months ago with you on this podcast, Keith. That this idea of that there's just so much movement in the league from top end stars is not really the fact. I, mm. I, I think a lot more people are loyal to their teams than people want to give them credit for. I mean, yes, winning helps a lot, but uh, you look at, at at Dirk. Like, by all accounts, they like. I, I don't want to discount it, but they lucked into that championship. Like Dallas was not the better team in that NBA Finals, it right? It certainly was. But he has, but he was, ha uh, hitting your, hitting your, like rolling your dice and hitting the, hitting right. the, the jackpot. But he has the he has the ring now, so that completely changes his narrative. Had he not got yep. that ring, everyone's gonna and it. But it, but the thing is that literally changed nothing about his decision making in his career. So it's just wild. Again, I think it, guys it, like Giannis. I think I think Jaw is another one that unless Memphis messes that up, that's a guy that's probably not gonna want out of Memphis. I don't like. No, he's, uh, yeah. Yeah, unless unless it's to go get Kevin Durant, like I don't see Devin Booker wanting out of Phoenix. Again, That's another Lu good example, yeah. Luca in Dallas, Nikola Jokic, like I just don't yeah. see him wanting to go play for somewhere else, especially since Denver is a building a good team around him, and B is making him one of the highest played players in history. But I just think there's just a lot of top end players, man, that that tend to more preach more, that loyalty. Right? So yeah. And, so I don't know. I mean, of course it happens, but yeah, this idea that every major you know, head of the snake has to move somewhere else. It's just, nah, I don't think so. Loyalty, you can be important too. So you had mentioned uh, player empowerment and you had mentioned Kevin Durant. It's worth pointing out that Kevin Durant hasn't changed teams yet. Um, uh, I said uh, when that trade happened, um, I think that this is actually a really important moment for the NBA uh, because if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you have, uh, if healthy and everybody actually plays, which is a giant if, but if healthy and mm -hmm. if everybody actually plays, you have a contender-level roster right now in Brooklyn. And if they come in there and they say, no, Kevin Durant, we're not going to trade you because we uh, just mortgaged five years of our future for James Harden. Um, uh, we can't suck. We can't get bad. We can't get equal value back for you because they're not trading Giannis for you. They're not trading Luka for you. And I, I think that's going to have implications for player empowerment going forward. I could see it. I, yeah, I, I could see it certainly be an issue. I, I can't agree because there's not a league more than the NBA run by its players. Uh, but the thing with Kevin Durant is, is everybody flexes. So when I walk into that front office and I say, hey, I want traded, that doesn't necessarily mean he wants traded. That 
is also smokescreen to say, hey, front office, get your shit together before I try to press <laughs> hard, <laughs> right? Because I said, yeah, do you think Kevin Durant, honestly, because Kevin Durant, to, to his credit, Kevin Durant put that freaking team on his back last year. And you think he wants to continue to play 40 plus minutes a night and be the best player in the world with a player who doesn't want to get on the floor and another player that only wants to get on the floor half the time. It's all smokescreen to the other things that need to happen in that front office. And all a lot of this, if you, you to, to your point, A, they do have a very, very good roster if everyone plays. And ever, ever since this idea of Kevin Durant wants out, what's going to happen? Could he be traded here? Could he be, could he be traded there? What have you heard coming out of Brooklyn? He's not getting traded. Exactly. You've heard crickets. Yeah. Crickets. Which means that ultimatum presented to the front office made the front office go, yeah, guess what? We're not trading you, which, to your point, because tra- there's zero to gain in trading Kevin Durant. But we're going to make sure everything's in line. Everything's in line. And what have you already started to hear from Kyrie, who is already rumored to be at the Lakers and this and that? Oh, I want to play with the I want to play with the Nets. I want to play I want with to the Nets. Here. Yeah, so yeah, you're starting yeah. to get that PR thing. Every try, you're, you're getting back all your ducks in a row. It's all a power play from one of the most powerful players in this entire league. So I, I only do, I only disagree with you uh, to the fact that I think it almost proves his power. So it, it's not a full disagree with you because I totally your point is definitely spot on. Well, I want to argue with Chris about Joe Cronin some more, but my AC's been off for a couple of hours now, and I'm melting. So uh, we'll we'll get you on for a third round. Hey, you I'm ready to you call it a drop. You ain't melting because your you ain't melting because your AC's off, son. You're melting because I got I brought the flames. I brought the flames. I surrounded you with the flames. Cool. Hey, I will say thanks overall though, because it is quite obvious you and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum there. But I do enjoy the fact that we are about to end this thing, and you are uh, uh, hopefully looking at my corner of your video discord and you're smiling and you're laughing and we all understand that uh, at the end of the day it's just four dudes started at five but one had to leave early we're just here to talk shop and have a good time at the end of the day ain't no hatred ain't no ill will just here having fun talking ball if we all had the same opinion this podcast would suck so i i thank you at the end of the day kj for your for your hot takes yeah go turn the ac on you deserve it yeah it, it, it's all in good fun <laughs> i appreciate you guys having me on again and uh, if my audio magically doesn't appear on this episode, I think we'll all know what happened. You can't blame me this time. You can't blame me. I don't even touch hey, the edits. That's all key. And I do want to say, Fouad, uh, I'm a big fan uh, of Unbiased and you particularly. Like you, you. you make a lot of sense on these takes. And I, I didn't get a chance to say that before the show. Thanks, so, I appreciate it. Uh, it's nice to quote unquote meet you. You too. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you a compliment from KJ that is never going to be directed towards me. (laughs) Oh, look at the time. I got to go like with with the the something in the oven. Bye. (laughs) And in closing, loyal listener, be sure to follow Fawad and his multiple burner accounts on social media. (laughs) In closing, for real, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to JP. Thank you to Fawad. Thank you to KJ again. Thank you, Chris Burkhardt. Thank you, Odar, for the fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Once again, we're going on a one-week break, so we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you again, and please come back in two weeks for the next edition of the Trailcasters. Enjoy your summer.